This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 129. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and I am your slightly nasal host today. I seem to have picked up uh, a little nasally, maybe it's allergies, fall allergies, I suppose. Uh, so, uh, But today we talked to Joe Rea, and he owns a bar down in Charleston along with his wife. It's called The Gin Joint. And they also have a company where they make these delicious syrups for bartenders, and it's called Tippleman's Syrups. <laughs> Their slogan is they're not-so-simple syrups. Get it? And uh, there, there's six of them. There's Burnt Sugar. There's Island Oraxa. I, I should have asked them how to pronounce that. I'm not saying it right. It's Island O-R-X-A-T-A. We have Falernum which is uh, another one uh, we had a little difficulty pronouncing in the, pronouncing in the past. <laughs> if, if you listen to the last few episodes, uh, I think it was the last episode we talked about that. Uh, there's uh, ginger honey, lemon oleosaccharum, and barrel smoked maple, and they are all delicious. So we'll be talking to Joe in just a minute. But first, let's do a cocktail of the week. I did a bourbon maple old-fashioned using the Tippleman's barrel smoked maple syrup. And this stuff is made in barrels that come from the Willet Distillery, and it's, uh, ooh, it's delicious. And uh, I used about a half a, half an ounce of that. I just happen to have a lovely bottle of Willet Pot Still Reserve Bourbon, so I figured let's use that uh, along with the uh, the syrup that was made in the Willet barrels. It's a pretty awesome bourbon, and it's uh, tempting to just drink it neat or with uh, just one ice cube. But the hell with it. I used uh, two ounces of that in my quite decadent old fashioned. The bitters I used were uh, basement bitters from Tuttletown Distillery, and uh, these are the guys that make the great Hudson whiskey, among other things. And their bitters are really great. So you know how to make an old fashioned. You'll uh, mix the sugar or syrup in this case, along with the bitters in the bottom of your old-fashioned glass or rocks glass, and add the uh, whiskey. I used uh, two ounces of that Willet, and uh, use that. Add your whiskey. Uh, I used the uh, about two ounces of the Willet, like I said, and uh, then add some ice. I love to use one big hand-cut ice cube uh, and uh, and then a twist on top with that. Usually it would be an orange twist in an old-fashioned, especially if it were a rye old-fashioned, but uh, I used a lemon in this case. I just felt it went better with the bourbon and the maple flavors, and I uh, needed a little citrus zing in there. So uh, there you have it, the bourbon maple old-fashioned. Uh, the the hand-cut ice, uh, you may have heard me speak about that in the past. Uh, I love to, uh, in the camper English style, uh, I, I freeze a big block of ice in a uh, cooler with the top open and a small cooler and a uh, top-down freezing, and it uh, creates a uh, creates clear ice. But uh, you don't have to have it clear. I mean, it, you know, it looks cool, but uh, does, other than that, it doesn't change the taste much, I don't think. But uh, the bigger thing is that you're you're making one big, nice, beautiful ice cube, and uh, you know, it's not a, it's not perfect. It's uh, you know, it's a little jagged, or uh, you know, it's it's unusual shape, but it's 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 so great in the in a drink like this. Um, up on bartenderjourney.net, I'll put uh, some links to uh, some of the products I use to, you know, you need an ice pick and a little hammer, you know, not expensive stuff, but just, you know, you see a few of the things that I use to make this ice. All right, book of the week. It's called It's All About the Guest by Steve Filippo. He opened his first restaurant when he was 24 years old. Can you believe that? It's called Davio's, and now there are seven of them in the U.S., and, uh, and he has other restaurants as well besides those. Um, but the subtitle of this book is Exceeding Expectations in Business and in Life, the Davio's Way. Steve is a great businessman, and in his book, he has a lot of great lessons for us, like uh, every decision you make, is this going to make things better for the guest? And there will always be demanding guests who are ready to get upset about nothing. They will require a lot of your attention, but you can't let that distract you from the other guests. 
Good point. He says, make sure you figure out how much it costs to make what you are selling. Otherwise, you may be losing money without even knowing it. He says, it's not just what you do. It's how people perceive what you do. So check that book out. And of course, I'll put Amazon links up to that on bartenderjourney.net. Before we get to this week's interview, uh, I want to tell you about an event I went to this past week. It's the Rum Authority event. Um, this is actually the second time they've held it in Manhattan and the second time I was invited. So it was a great event. We, uh, Paul Packle runs it, and he's the, uh, quoting from the uh, Rum Authority manual here, Paul Packle's called America's Foremost Spirits Authority. Uh, that was He was given that title by uh, Forbes.com. Paul Packle has been the publisher of the Spirits Journal since 1991, and the Spirit Journal is recognized as the premier independent source of spirits reviews and evaluations. And his lovely wife, Sue Woodley's uh, heavily involved with all of these businesses as well. But uh, Paul, Paul talks about how, um, you know, rum doesn't always get, uh, it's not really spoken about in the same breath as uh, scotch or bourbon or tequila, you know, but there, there are some really great ones out there. And uh, we tasted 12 delicious rums. Uh, it was a great event at, uh, at Keene Steakhouse. And uh, boy, it was, it was really great. So uh, if you go to therumauthority.com, there's a lot of information there. You can even download this manual that I have in, in my hand here. And, uh, and if you're lucky uh you can maybe find there's a there's a page there on the website about uh upcoming events there's not too many listed paul's a busy man he does many many different things uh but uh you can maybe get invited if you um if you ask nicely on the uh on the website there's a there's a email address that you can uh send sue an email and, and see if maybe you can get invited it would definitely be worth doing if you can uh get in it's really cool to taste these, uh, first of all, side by side, but also blind. You don't know what you're tasting. So we discuss uh, what, what we taste, and uh, he even uh, has us guess at what brand it might be. And then, of course, he uh, Paul will reveal to us which brand it was and tell us about that brand. But, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting event, and... Um, Boy, we tasted some great rums. Uh, you know, some of these some of these aged rums are so delicious just on the rocks. Uh, we tasted rums that were anywhere from you know thirty dollars to uh, two hundred dollars in the store. Uh, but th- this one really uh, stood out for me. It was Don Q Gran Anejo. Uh, it sells for about around thirty five dollars, and uh, it's made in Puerto Rico in Ponce, Puerto Rico, actually. I spent a couple of summers there when I was a kid, actually. Uh, But it's delicious, I mean, just on the rocks with a cigar. It'd be awesome. We had Appleton Estate Reserve Blend, and it's a blend of 20 different rums, and then it's aged two more years uh, in barrels once it's blended together. All estate-grown, and uh, it's delicious, wonderful. And uh, Paul Packle even said, quote, this is what rum is all about. We had an El Dorado 12-year-old, and uh, I've got to make sure I get a bottle of that. It looks like it sells for around $33 a bottle. It's a bargain, you know, when you compare it to uh, scotch or even some bourbons. Although bourbons, you know, can be quite a bargain itself. But these are these are delicious rums, and, uh, you know, check them out. Don't be a rum hater. When you have rums of this quality, a rum old-fashioned can be awesome, too, by the way. Mmm, I want one. All right, we're going to talk to Joe Rea of the Gin Joint in Charleston and of Tippleman's Not So Simple Syrups. So, uh, wow, thanks for uh, getting on the call. Uh, your syrups are awesome. I was really, uh, really impressed. Oh, good. I'm glad you tried them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a little uh, cynical, like, you know, hey, I'm a bartender. I can make my own syrups, man. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. Um, and, you know, I started a bar five years ago, and we 
you know, made everything ourselves, um, mainly because there was a lot of things that we just couldn't find, you know, Falernum being one of them um, yeah. in this market um, that long ago. Uh, so we were just decided to make anything that we couldn't find and and um, that's how it all got started. Well, they're yeah, they're delicious, and it's you know it's time consuming to make this stuff. So if you can pick it up, uh, you know, and it's delicious, why not? You know. Yeah, we had a problem with just running out of stuff. Like you don't know what's going to run on a particular service. So having you know a rookie trying to make it in the back and it not coming out right and eighty sixing drinks, it's just um, not ideal. So we really wanted to come up with a solution that would be um, you know easy to maintain for everybody. Yeah, they're delicious. The uh, the maple syrup one is my favorite. That's amazing. It's aged in uh, bourbon barrels, right? It's it's smoked with bourbon barrels, actually. And, and that's not really an easy process. We get in about um, 2,000 pounds of maple syrup at a time for that because it's really the only way that you can buy it price-effective. And um, and we, we basically shave um, these freshly dumped willet barrels so they smell like you know, intoxicating like bourbon. Um, and we just have like a wood planer and we shave these barrels down and then just slowly smolder that, um, those shavings with the, the maple. That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, it's delicious. And, uh, yeah, like you say, you can, uh, it's shelf stable, right? So you can keep it or keep it around for a while and, and you don't have to worry about running out. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you, uh, recommend putting them in the fridge at the end, after service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're all like super high brick, uh, syrups. We wanted to, we wanted to make, um, good consistencies for, for using and good ratios for using, uh, so you, you know, it's hard to pour an eighth an ounce, a quarter of an ounce or three eighths of an ounce behind a bar. So we wanted to make them like, you know, a strength that was easy to mix. Um, and it just so happened that that, that higher sugar content um, allows for them to, to be pretty durable as far as uh, shelf stability. Right. Got it. Well, let's start at the beginning. You, you, uh, you went to the Culinary Institute, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I live up went that to, way. I okay. live up in the Hudson Valley myself. Oh, get out of here. It's so yeah. beautiful up there. I miss it all the time. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. So uh, what was your time like at CIA? Well, I, I mean, just like everybody there, you know, you go like as a cook, wanting yeah. to be an awesome chef one day, you know, take over your own kitchen and, and whatnot. And uh, I sort of got sidetracked when I was there in wine education and um, decided to pursue that sort of recreationally there. And then when I left, I would have never thought I would have gone out of the kitchen. I loved it in the kitchen, but I never actually took a professional cooking job after I left. It's always been in front of the house since then. Nice. Yeah, I've done both myself, and I I, I prefer the front of the house. <laughs> the back of the house is just <laughs> it's hot and dirty, and you're just with the same guys all night long. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why a bar is so cool because it's it's a back of the house position in the front of the house. Exactly. And so you get that interaction with the customer, and but you also get the creative aspect and the creation. Uh, aspect and um, it makes it a lot of fun uh, to interact with people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so then you opened your own place, right? The gin joint? Yeah, we opened our own place five years ago um, and it's still kicking, which is great. It took everything that we had to, to get it open. You know, you always have those fears that, you know, it's not going to work out, but uh, thankfully it's it's been good. It's been really good. Great. And that's in uh, Charleston, yeah? Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. Cool. I, I've never been there, actually, unfortunately. 
you need to come. It's beautiful and it's it's blowing up. You need to come before the traffic gets any worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard great things about it. It's good uh good bar scene, good restaurant scene, right? Yeah, great restaurant scene and the bar scene is really uh coming into to its own. It's uh five years ago you'd go to a fine dining restaurant in Charleston and you would order a cocktail at the bar and they'd use like sour mix. Yeah. And, and, and flavored vodka, like, probably. Yeah, like yeah, you look in the back bar and it's like you know thirty different flavored vodkas, and you're like, what's you know what's going on here? Yeah, um, it was pretty dismal like that, but now it's really you know people are just doing some cool stuff here, so it's great. Very cool. Well, I mixed up a couple of the cocktails from your from your recommendation from your website. Nice. This is the uh, what do you call it? Frieza y Fiego. Oh, I, awesome! Yeah. Yeah, we got some tequila. We got your uh, Tippleman's burnt sugar syrup and uh lemon juice and some amaro and uh awesome. yeah it's nice very good this amaro is actually way spicy it's i mean it's almost bordering on um fernet you know so it's i think it's that overpowered the drink a little bit i think you were you were looking for something a little more mellow i think with this drink well the uh what's really cool about that burnt sugar it's it's such a um it's such a familiar yet sort of um it's a familiar flavor and aroma that you smell, you know, when you, when you do other things like cooking other things. Um, but when you use so much of it on its own, it's really unpredictable in a fun way. Uh, because I've had, I've had buddies of mine that have done, you know, like full ounce pours of that in a cocktail, um, like in a a cocktail with lemon juice and it, Mm -hmm. it, you know, using that as the, the sweetener is really fun because it's not sweet necessarily. It is sweet, but the bitterness just counteracts it completely. So you have this cocktail that's like rich, like it's sweet, but it, it has, you know, dryness going on. It's really fun. Mm. But like you say, it's a familiar f- flavor, but you don't necessarily expect to taste it in your cocktail, you know, that, right. bur- that burnt exactly. sugar. Exactly. And then we have the uh, John Barleycorn. Oh, awesome. That's uh, two ounces uh, two ounces of rye. I use. You, you suggest bourbon or rye. And then uh, about quarter to half an ounce of the Tippleman's. Oleosaccharum, yeah. Oleosaccharum, yeah. Yeah, this is a great uh, great twist on a whiskey sour, you know, and it's delicious. Awesome, yeah. That, that lemon is crazy because, you know, behind a bar – it's pretty annoying to make oleosaccharum because it just takes time and it takes labor and it's kind of like, you know, peeling lemons. I mean, <laughs> uh, it takes a lot of lemons and, you know, uh, a lot of time and it takes, you know, in our setting, it takes, it's just as obnoxious to make it <laughs> as it is behind a bar. Um, and it's funny. I, I, uh, I told my wife that I think that the only reason that we've had success in doing what we're doing is because, we we do the jobs that no one else would want to do, right. like a garbage man, <laughs> and uh, or the bar back. Yeah, exactly. Like peeling peeling twenty five hundred pounds of lemons is just as obnoxious as it sounds. I and um, but it it's so cool because when you taste that syrup, you get. You, I mean, you taste the lemons in it. Oh, you yeah. know, you taste all of that that peel and the aromatics and the, the floral component. It's really awesome. Yeah, I love it. You know, citrus oil, it's its just magic, you know? It's great stuff. Yeah. And that's like, what you're doing, right? The oleosaccharum uh, extracts the, the oils out of the lemon peels, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And what what's really kind of fun that we found, um, we sort of, you know, with Tippleman's, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of like a foreign thing to a lot of people, um, the, the different syrups 
to bartenders it's not but um what we've had fun doing um and exploring is just taking like one single cocktail like a daiquiri or you know some some sort of like classic cocktail maybe even an old-fashioned whatever and then you just you take it with you pick one spirit and you just walk it through the line swapping out the the syrups or even you know mixing and matching like we have a cocktail that's essentially like a whiskey sour it's called the sugar shack and uh but instead of just using you know lemon juice and simple uh when we walked it through the line we used you know a couple different tipplemans and we ended up saying okay well let's split the sweetener between the most you know unusual whiskey sour sweetener which was the the smoked maple in our mind and then the most awesome one which was the falernum making a falernum whiskey sour so let's like mix these two and it came out weird and awesome yeah uh with that maple and the falernum like the spice the smoke the mapley it's like mapley but it almost represents itself as chocolatey in the cocktail it's just a really interesting and fun thing that we wouldn't have ever come up with you know without having uh you know played around with the line i love doing that i love to you know making things that are identical except for one ingredient you know even even swapping out a different spirit even you know it's it's so great it's such a great way to taste things yeah and it's and it's it's coming you know it it comes from a totally different perspective and so a guest you know they don't necessarily pull out that this is a whiskey sour this is a daiquiri they they see oh this is so inventive and so amazing and so interesting and complex um like how'd you ever think of it and then when you tell them it was like it's literally just swapping this yeah from this cocktail and it's and it's like mind-breaking <laughs> i made that cocktail you were you were talking about uh recently and uh but i used a little less um of a syrup than you suggested and uh I, and i said i don't know something about this makes me want to turn it into a manhattan so i added a little sweet vermouth and it was awesome nice. it was awesome that's awesome it came out really good it was more like you know it was more like a manhattan than a than an old than an old-fashioned but it was really good so where, do you make that's this awesome. stuff um do you have like a commercial kitchen or how, how do you how do you pull this off well we started um we started in uh we actually got this little warehouse 1500 square foot warehouse when probably it was two and a half years ago and it was just to do gin joint prep um mm. Because I had been cutting ice in my garage, <laughs> uh, block ice at a Klein Bell in my garage, and I would cut ice for the gin joint, which, you know, isn't ideal. <laughs> so I was like, we need a warehouse where we can, like, do gin joint prep because our, our bar is only 1,000 square feet. Oh, and wow. we're, you know, with the amount of volume that we have there, we just can't prep on premise. And so um, we got a little warehouse and did gin joint prep there. And uh, my wife was telling me that I needed to find, you know, another project because we had two kids and, you know, she's like, you know, are you going to work till four in the morning every night? Is that, you know, is that how it's going to go down? Yeah. And uh, so I, I started this other project called Bitter Milk, where we were making cocktail mixers using awesome ingredients and sort of trying to reinvent that that segment. And um it blew up and we, we had to move kitchens. We had that, that 1500 square foot. I mean, we had totally maxed it out. We had containers in the front of it. Couldn't hardly receive freight orders. Um, then we moved to a 8,000 square foot facility and it's got a loading dock and, you know, pallet racking everywhere. We received truckloads of sugar at a time, wow. you know, truckloads of bottles at a time. It's gone nuts. Uh, we never would have thought that we would be, you know, doing this on the scale that we are. Wow, that's great. And you're, and you're doing a lot of the work hands-on yourself, right? 
We do it all hands-on. A lot of the equipment that we used initially, we built ourselves because we didn't know, we didn't have a food packing background. I mean, I'd been in kitchens, you know, pretty much my whole adult life, but making food that's going into a packaged product, you know, and, and in going into somebody else's hands is totally different. Right. And so, uh, like our first bottling situation was like a, a kettle upstairs that would run through a pipe, gravity fed, and we would fill each bottle from a pipe <laughs> and it, <laughs> it took forever. Uh, and, uh, now we have like a little, we have a little bottling line. It's still manual, but, uh, we're able to do a lot more volume we can do now. We do about 2000 bottles in a day when we, when we run our bottling wow. uh, process. So, you know, it's, it's definitely stepped up quite a bit. Wow. How cool. And yeah, there's a lot of regulations, right? When you're, when you're packaging something for, to be sold uh, to the public like that, it's, it's quite different than the restaurant business, right? Oh yeah. It's totally different um, from insurance to like the, the uh, department of agriculture comes and like checks you out and, um, I remember the first time, uh, they asked me, um, they said, so, uh, what's your, uh, re- what's your recall plan? If you have to recall your product, how do you track everything? <laughs> and I, I just like, they saw me give like the deer in the headlights look <laughs> of like, uh, I had no idea I had to have one, you know, yeah. my recall plan is I'm not going to mess anything up, right. you know? <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, oh, that I'm just going to ignore that you said that, you know, we'll say that you do X, Y, Z. And now we actually, you know, it's just a, it's like a, a growing curve, you know, and, yeah. and learning, uh, when you don't, you know, when you haven't ever done something before, uh, it's, there's a lot of learning that you have to do yeah, to, sure. to get to a place where it's working. It's like, I didn't know I needed to know that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, where do you see, uh, I like to ask people this question a lot, you know, like, where do you see this whole, you know, cocktail movement for lack of a better term, you know, going over the next, let's say two to two to four years, five years. Uh, I think that's an awesome question. Um, because it's, uh, I think that it's going to be considered less of a movement. Mm-hmm. Um, more than norm, right? It's sort of like, yeah, exactly. Um, because you never, the, the way things work in any industry, when you give people the best, they don't go back to the worst. Right. And it just becomes easier to get the best and it just becomes more normal to get the best and more normal to do awesome things. And so you start seeing, even now, you know, you go into small towns and you see, um, you know, a dive bar making like awesome last words or something like that, you know, and, and you just, you know, that there's been a change in, in the way that people perceive what they want to drink. And just like food, you know, like now fine dining is, is not the rage anymore, but you can get fine dining quality food in a casual environment. Right. And it's the same with bars. I think, you know, it's, you don't have to go to a cocktail lounge where you have to be on your best behavior (laughs) just to sample the nectar. You know, you just, (laughs) you can go anywhere and you can, and you can have really awesome things and, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, being on the A-list anymore. You know, you just, you just can have an awesome cocktail from from a place where you like hanging out with the bartenders. Right, right, absolutely. That's great. And uh, so I want to hear more about your your bar. Did you hand off sort of daily management to somebody else now? Now that you have all these other projects yeah, going on, or we, did. Um, we have some awesome people that work there. Um, 
my bartender bar manager now jamie is is doing a lot of cool things there uh things that i would have thought would would be stupid and i would have <laughs> never tried it yeah and then he, he he uh makes me stuff and i'm like wow that's that's really awesome i wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought this um so it, it, that's kind of fun but we we had no idea how bitter milk was gonna take off at, you know it was a side project and um you know the third month that we were making it uh we got in this big magazine and uh sold 10,000 bottles uh in one month mm. and, and it was all different people you know it wasn't like one big order or anything and we were just like we we've got to figure something out you know because we can't you know work work all night at the bar and then you know go <laughs> bottle the rest of the night and into the morning uh it just wasn't working so yeah, we we still have our hands in menu development and you know the you know the management behind the scenes uh, operation, but we don't work service uh, that much anymore mm-hmm. at Gin Joint. Uh huh. And uh, what is there a uh, concept? It's sort of a uh, pre-prohibition bar. I read somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, definitely, we you know we wanted to call ourselves a pre-prohibition bar. Um, because we wanted to have a reason for not serving vodka that people could get behind. Um, we, uh, the environment, not that we have anything against vodka, but the environment in Charleston when we opened was, you know, if you had a daiquiri on your menu, people would think that it was in, from a blender. If, if you have, if, you know, the ability to make vodka cocktails, people would order just stupid cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one theory was that, you know, uh, all vodka cocktails aren't stupid, but all stupid cocktails have vodka in them. <laughs> so we just decided that we wanted people, you know, we have a thousand square feet. We don't need everybody to come into our bar. We just want the people who want cool cocktails. So we, we sort of played this game where we're like trying to bait our ideal customer. So we said, well, we'll just not have vodka on the menu or have it anywhere on the, you know, in the back bar. And, We'll just see how it rolls, and we don't want to be pretentious about it. We just want to say, hey, you know, pre-prohibition cocktails, vodka wasn't around, so we don't have it. <laughs> cool. And was that a hard sell uh, for you guys? or? Uh... Yeah, I remember one of the most discouraging moments, because when you open a place, like, there are some times when it's busy, and there's definitely times when it's slow. And it's really hard to not think that you're – just stupid when it's slow, <laughs> yeah. you know, because you're, you're, you're there and no one's coming in and you're like, I've made a mistake. <laughs> no one likes what I'm doing. Um, and it just happens to be a time that no one, no one knows who you are and, you know, no one's going in there. So we had um, like, it was dead, you know, 30 minutes, no one had come in the door. And then these four uh, like middle-aged people came in and sat at the bar and, uh, you know, they're asking us questions and then they all order like vodka cocktails. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, actually we don't have vodka. And they looked at me and they're like, <laughs> maybe that's why nobody's in. <laughs> and I, I was so sad at that moment. You know, I was like, let me make you, I'm like pulling out all those stops. Like, let me make you a cocktail. I, you know, tell me what you like. I, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, really trying to get them to challenge me and they just got up and left oh. and it was so discouraging. But you know, we stuck to our guns and it paid off, so it was good. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm I see it up here in, in the Hudson Valley, even you know. I mean, we're we're only we're not that far from Manhattan, and and it's it's a hard sell to people to get them to try something different and new, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And we say, you know, like make vodka cocktails at home because it's easy. It just tastes like whatever you put it with. But you know, when you're in a when you're in a 
bar paying, you know, money for an experience, let us show you an experience, you know, let us show you something new and something fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. When I go into a new cocktail bar that I haven't been to before, I look at the cocktail list and I'm like, mm, mezcal, that's the one I want. <laughs> yeah. Or you look at something and you say, those ingredients definitely won't work together. I got to order that and see how it works together. <laughs> yeah, that's fun too. Awesome. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate your time and uh, it was great to meet you. I hope to yeah, uh, run into you again if you're ever up in New York, in the Hudson Valley or, or in Manhattan in, uh, anytime. Let me know. And uh, if I ever get down to Charleston, I'll let you know. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. We'll show you. Uh, we'll show you the gin joint in our in our production facility. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, it's it's really like a Willy Wonka of the alcohol <laughs> world in that, in that production warehouse. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, we're up in New York all the time, so oh, we'll cool. definitely let you know. Cool. It'd be fun to catch a drink. Yeah, definitely. So it's Tippleman's Not So Simple Syrups, and uh, the website's uh, is it Tippleman's dot com. Yep. That's it. And uh, anything else you want to tell people? Twitter or anything like that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know any of our uh, social media stuff because I, I've never used it before. My wife does all that. All right. She would be very embarrassed to hear me say that to you. <laughs> well, um, uh, I'm sure it has Tippleman's in it or drink or drink Tippleman's, something like that. <laughs> well, An hashtag or underline or whatever you do. <laughs> and uh, Well, I'll find out and I'll post it up on our website. website. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll awesome. figure it out, Joe. Don't worry. Thanks. Hey, man, cheers. It was a pleasure to meet you and uh, congratulations on all your success and great products. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. All right, great conversation there. And uh, I will, I have a video of that too. So I'll, I'll try to remember to put that up on YouTube in case you're interested. Uh, the YouTube channel is The Bartender Journey. So youtube.com slash The Bartender Journey. And uh, yeah, I'll try to remember to get that video up there if you're interested. And uh, so tippleman's.com, you can purchase their delicious syrups there. And uh, Joe couldn't remember the uh, Tippleman's Twitter. It is, in fact, at Tippleman's. Hey, don't forget to stay tuned to the very end of the podcast for our toast. So head on over to bartenderjourney.net and uh, click on those Amazon links if you would and uh, check out the products. And even if you uh, if you buy something else other than what I had recommended there on the site, uh, if you do purchase anything, it does help the show a little bit and uh, it doesn't cost you any extra to do that. Head on over to iTunes if you haven't subscribed to the show. Make sure you do that so you get each show as it becomes available. I see now with the new iOS uh, 9, the, the new uh, software for your iPhone or iPad, uh, you actually get a little not notification up there once a new uh, episode is, is available on, on your home screen. So uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe so you can keep on listening to Bartender Journey. If you can get over to iTunes and uh, leave ratings and reviews, it really helps us out and uh, helps us raise in the ratings, helps other people find us. So uh, all you got to do is give some stars. Five stars is the most. So if you could do both, actually, I'd really appreciate it. You leave, leave five or as many stars as you think we deserve here. Uh, five stars and uh, leave a quick little review, too, you know, one sentence. It would be appreciated. Feel free to email me for any reason. It's brian at bartenderjourney.net. Search Facebook for Bartender Journey and like that page. Like it. All right, here's our toast. Tis better to spend money like there's no tomorrow than to spend tonight like there's no money. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Yeah.